Well, there's the question. How big is God? You know, I, I think that's the question that each one of us, we have to ask ourselves, how big is God? But you know, the thing about it isn't really how big is God. It's more about how big is the God in you? Because God is big. Amen. You may not realize it, but we serve a big God. But how big is, is God in you? If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Philippians, the 14th or the 4th chapter and the 13th verse. Philippians 4, 13, I'm reading it out of the New King James Version. And I can do most things through Christ who, no. No, that's not. I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me. No, no, it's not right. Oh, all. You know, <clears throat> you can study that word out, all, and do you know what you come up with? All. He says, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. King James Version says, in him. And so the real question is, who's the in him in your life? And that's what each and every one of us, we have to ask ourselves. You know, I've talked about this before, that when we, when we study this this Bible, we need to make it personal. How does it apply to me? Who's the in him, in you? How big is the in him, in you? Do you believe you can do all things, all things that Christ has asked you to do? Can you do all things through Christ as he strengthens you? I heard somebody say this one time. They said, you know, Worry really works for me. Because 90% of what I worry about never happens. But think about that for a moment. Just think of all the wasted energy that is invested into that. And it's because we don't put our confidence, we don't put our trust in it. Why do we worry? Because we're not at a place where we can, we really believe that the greater one, that he, God, the one who is in us, whom we are in, is big enough to deal with the situation, the circumstances in our life. You know, I, <clears throat> I don't know if it was Joel Olstein or somebody I heard speaking the other day and he was talking about potential. And he says, the place where you'll find the greatest amount of unused potential is in a graveyard. Because people go to their grave with all of this potential in their life, but they never activate it. And the reason that they don't activate it or act upon it is because they're looking to self. Rather than looking to the one that strengthens them, rather than looking to the one 
that is able, well able, to overcome every situation. Let's turn to Ephesians, the third chapter, and the 16th verse. It says that he would grant you that the greater one, that God who is big, who is who's within us, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. See, it isn't according to our riches, it's, a, it's according to his riches and glory. That Christ, or that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. King James again there says, strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. And so it's, it's through his spirit, through him, that we're strengthened to be able to overcome, to deal with the circumstances that we come up against. Verse 17, it says, that Christ may dwell in you, may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that we may be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, and the height. Again, how big is your God? How big is the God on the inside of you? The 19th verse, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That you may know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. In other words, you're not going to be able to figure it out with your intellect. And see, that's what we do is we we try, to, we try to take God and we try to put him in a box. And the box that we put him in is always too small. It, it, it's what we can comprehend. It's what we can understand. And so if we're going to really comprehend God, it's got to be beyond our limit, limited ability, our limited knowledge our limited ability to comprehend. It's gotta be according to the knowledge that's available to us through him. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And so our, our love of Christ is limited. Because we, oftentimes, we try to understand Christ's love, we try to understand God's love according to man's limited ability to love. You know, I've said it before, any, any attempt to, to define or describe love by leaving God out is an incomplete definition, an incomplete description of love, because God is love. And see, man in his own knowledge tries to understand love, and as a result of that, 
It's so limited. And so it isn't based on what we see. It isn't based on our own understanding. It's based on knowledge, and that knowledge is based on the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so important in each of our lives. Verse 19 again. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, and it's, it's not talking about human knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to, that, to the power that works in us, according to the power within. That's what's going to produce. That's confidence, that assurance to know that God is bigger than any situation. You know, the Bible talks about, and we've talked about, exalting God. Exalt God. What that means is make God big. And oftentimes what we do, times what we do, is we begin to exalt the circumstances. We begin to exalt the things that are going on around us. And so what happens is, the circumstances, the situations, whatever it is that we're dealing with, they become bigger than God. Because, you know, <clears throat> our minds can make things big. You ever been there where there's, you know, something coming up and you're just so, you're just, you're just dreading it. And you're laying awake thinking about it and you're, you're just trying to figure out how you're gonna do it and, and you're just, you, it's just, it's just so big. And then the situation comes along and it's no big deal. And you think, why was I so, why was I so concerned about that? Why was I so worried about that? Because you had exalted it. You had made it bigger than the God that lives within you. But you know, we look at it and you may say, well, pastor, you know, you know, the, the situations in my life, they've been so big, I just, I just, I'm beyond the ability, the capacity to be able to change. Well then, one of three things have happened. Either God lied, or your circumstances are unique. or you're wrong. Those are the only three choices. Either God lied, you're an exception to the rule, or you've made a mistake. In first, or not first, in Titus, the first chapter, the second verse, it says, in hope of eternal life, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God, who cannot lie. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, 
the 18th verse, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. And so both of those verses are in agreement. Number one, it's impossible to, for God to lie, and God cannot lie. So the first one is out of the question. God didn't lie. And so that means that if God said in his word that he will, that he does, he can't lie. You see, <clears throat> that's why we can have such confidence in the things of God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not lie. And because God never lies, we can trust him. If he says that by the stripes of Jesus, you've been healed, he's not gonna lie. By the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. If God says, I supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, you can have confidence and know that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus because God cannot lie. And God and the Word are one. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word, Jesus is God, and so God's Word, which is his Word, cannot lie. He doesn't change. He's the same. People say, well, you know, that, that Bible was written 2,000 years ago. That's that in the heart of God. It's barely a blink of the eye. It's not even a blink of an eye. Time span. God doesn't change. He'll never change. He's always the same. And that's why we can always have confidence in him. Then in Acts, the 10th chapter, in the 34th verse, it says, Then Paul opened his mouth, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. God is not a respecter of persons. And you know what that means? That means you're not an exception to the rule. Uh, Pastor, my situation is just so tough. Well, it may be tough, but you're not an exception to the rule. The promises of God apply to you. But you know what makes God small? Is we don't see it that way. We, we see our situation as an exception to the rule. We see our situation being more difficult than what anybody else has ever had to deal with. You know, the Bible says concerning Jesus, it says he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. That's why Jesus is the perfect mediator between us and God. Because everything that you and I have ever been tempted with, Jesus was tempted with, and he overcame it. He went through it victoriously. And the significance of that is because Jesus was able to defeat the problem, whatever it is that you or I may have to deal with in him. See, I can't do it in my own strength. In my own strength, I'm a wimp. 
People say, well, you're just one of those Christians. You're just so weak. You've got to have Jesus as a crutch. Only I'm weaker than that. I need two crutches. I've got Jesus under one arm holding me up, and I've got the Holy Ghost under the other arm holding me up. We need him. But we are not an exception to the rule. He wants to work in each of our lives, and if we will allow him to, he will. And so what it comes down to then is we've got to be able to change our thinking. Romans 12 says that we are to renew our minds by the Word of God. It's the only way, it's the only thing that's going to straighten out our thinking. I know you've heard this. Let's see, I've been here for 35 and a half years, so you've probably heard it 30, a whole lot of times. But you know what? <clears throat> the message isn't going to change. The message may take a different wrapping, but the message doesn't change. It's the same message that Harold preached all those years, Pastor Harold. It's a message that your mind has to be changed to begin to think in line with God and His Word. And it's the Word that's going to do that. It isn't positive thinking. Now, I believe in positive thinking. You know, <clears throat> why would you think negatively instead of positively? But there has to be a greater foundation than just thinking positively. Because if that's the only foundation you have, eventually you're going to think negative. But there's a foundation that'll keep us on course. And that foundation is the Word of God. It'll change your thinking. You know, my, my, whole, my whole perspective of life changed when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I began to meditate and dwell on the Word of God. You know, our families had thought we lost everything. I'd committed the two unpardonable sins. I'd left the political party that I grew up in and went to the other side. And I'd left the denomination that I grew up in and went Pentecostal, charismatic. And you moved to Iowa. And I, oh, yes, and I moved to Iowa. <laughs> Three. I'm not sure which one bothered them more. But you know what? It changes you. But it changes you from the inside out. And so we need to change our thinking, and God will change our thinking if we'll give Him an opportunity to. But you know what? If you don't ever hear Him, if we don't ever give Him time, if we don't ever allow His Word to work in our life, why are we surprised that nothing ever changes? You see, I can't change me. You're all sitting there thinking, oh. but I can't do it. God can. The Holy Ghost can. 
through the word of God, if we'll give him an opportunity and expect that what he wants to do in our lives, he's gonna do. Galatians 5, 1, it says, we're studying this on Wednesday night, by the way, book of Galatians. But in Galatians 5, 1, he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has, let, has, uh, has made you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What does that mean? That means Christ has set us free. We're free. And he didn't set us free so that he could bring us back into bondage again. He set us free so that we could be free. And you know what happens is the moment that we begin to move away from the Word of God and trust in the Word of God and trust in Jesus and realize how big God is in our life, we slip right back into bondage again. But because we begin to look in the mirror, we begin to trust in self. We begin to think, I can do this. And you know what? Each and every one of us, we've proved it over and over and over again. We can't do it. He is our strength. He is the one that we lean on. He's the one that we rely upon. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'm not a respecter of persons. And therefore, every promise that he has ever made is available to every one of us. You know, I used to make this statement. If God did it for me, he'll do it for you. But I realized it's a, it's a stronger statement than that. If he's done it for me, he's obligated to do it for you. Brother Hagen always put it this way, you know, when he was talking about faith, because, you know, he talks about the fact that when we're born again, we each remember, we receive the measure of faith. And so when we're born again, every one of us, we receive the same measure of faith. It isn't like one gets this measure of faith and this person gets a bigger measure of faith and this person gets a greater measure of faith. We can grow in our, 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 our faith, our ability to trust God. But we receive the same measure of faith. Brother Hagen, he says, you know, but the difference between me and many of you is that I've actually done something with my faith. And sometimes we look at it and we think, why does this person get this or that or the other thing and I don't? They did something maybe with their faith that we haven't done yet. But maybe we need to be persistent. We need to be determined that if God has made it available to me, I'm going to find out through his word what he's made available to me, and I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to experience it in my life. I'm not going to settle, settle anymore. You know what we do as believers? We settle. We settle. Well, you know, things are pretty good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, pretty good isn't where God wants you to be. He wants you to be above and beyond. Because pretty good might bless you, but how do you bless somebody else? He wants to bless us so that we can be truly a blessing. So, again, how big is God in you? You know, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, 
in the 20th verse, he talks about relationships between husband and wife. And let me read Ephesians 5.22 from the Amplified. It's just because it amplifies and wants you women to be able to hear this. Wives, be subject. Be submissive. And adapt yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Better shout with me, men, because you ain't going to be shouting for long. But pastor, you don't know my husband. I can't do that. You can't. Well, how big is the God in you? Then out of a sense of obligation, I read Ephesians 5.25. And for you men, I'm just going to read it out of the King James Version because the Amplified would be too amplified for us. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Who, oh, I am, sister. <laughs> but pastor, you don't know my wife. How big is the God in you? See, we try to do it in our own strength. We try to do it in our own ability. And you know what? Really, change just in ourselves is... We can't do it. But we can do it through Christ. We can be that husband. We can be that wife that Christ has created us to be. But it's through him. It's not through my efforts. Efforts. Oh, they're so tiring. But we can do it through Christ when we trust him, when we put our confidence in him. Let's get off of that subject. Let's look at Galatians 5, the 19th verse. For the works of the flesh are evident. Now this is what I want you to understand here. This verse not talking about demon possession. It's talking about the works of the flesh. That's this thing. The works of the flesh. And there's only one way to overcome the works of the flesh. That's through the renewing of the mind through the Word of God. But listen to this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Watch the news. Turn on TV. You don't even have to watch the news. Just turn on TV and there it is. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Oh, pastor, yes, amen. Let's preach that. Well, let's read on first. Um, hatred, covetousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, now, now you're preaching again, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the likes. You know what the like means? That means if I didn't mention it, your deal is still included in this. <laughs> mm, praise the Lord. Amen. He says, all of this is work, these are works of the flesh, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about salvation here. Practice is a way of life. And he's saying these things that he's talking about here, if this is what we practice, if this is what our life is, we're not going to experience the abundance, the blessings of the kingdom of God. And so this is why as born again believers, it is so important for us to renew our minds because he says in, in John 3, I desire for you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And he says that in the physical, healing, prosperity. You won't go beyond what your soul is prospering. In other words, to the extent that we've renewed our mind. Why do we need to renew our mind? To make God bigger than the circumstances that we are experiencing in life. Every situation that you or I deal with, God can handle it. But we make the circumstance bigger than God. And as a result of that, because we've made the circumstance bigger than God, we look at it and we think, now we consciously don't do this, but subconsciously this is what we're doing. We're saying my problem is too big. God didn't mean it for me. I'm an exception to the rule. No, what it is, is we have not renewed our mind to think in line with God's word. Make God beg. And we do that through the word. Turn in your Bibles to 
the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter. And of course, this is a portion of Scripture we're all very familiar with. It's Jesus and his teaching concerning um, the seed and the sower. And uh, starting in the 13th verse, and it says, And he said to them, Jesus, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? And he makes just a profound statement at this point. He says, you know, if you don't understand the principles of this parable that I'm about to share with you, none of the parables will make any sense to you. But you know, I want to take it even a step further. Until we understand this parable and the principles of this parable, we won't fully be able to understand any of the principles of God. We're talking this morning about making God big in our life. How big is God? But until we understand this parable and we begin to understand and apply this parable in our lives, God will never be big in our life. He'll never be big enough to deal with the circumstances that we're dealing with because the circumstances will always be bigger. How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the word of God. We're talking about our spirit man. The word doesn't ever change. The word is the same always. The difference is a seed. When you farmers go out, you plant your crops. I know you have different varieties for different areas and so forth. But when you go out to that field, and that field has low spots, or that field has an area that's, that's sandy, whatever it may be, you go out there and it's the same seed that you plant in that field, but certain parts of that field will be more productive than other parts of that field. Why? because of the soil, because of the conditions. And that's how it is with the Word of God. We can all hear the same Word, but it'll produce on a different level for different ones of us, because we're the soil. And how is that seed planted in our heart? Because it's that soil that's gonna determine the harvest that's gonna be produced. And the sower sows the word. And these are the ones on the wayside where the word is sown. And they hear and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which is sown in their heart. These likewise are the ones on the stony ground who when they hear the word immediately, immediately receive it with, with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time and afterward tribulations and persecutions arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and accept and bear fruit some 30, and some uh, 60, and some 100-fold. And so here we have these, these different types of soil. 
And it begins by talking about those sowing on the hard surface. It doesn't even penetrate. And it's stolen immediately. The thief has come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'll tell you the number one thing that he wants to steal out of your life, and that's the Word of God. And the easiest time it is to steal that seed is the moment that it's been stolen. And so the circumstances, because it takes no root, the circumstances are big. And God doesn't even have an opportunity to become big in our life. And then there's those that are sowing upon the stones, upon the rocks. You know, we know that change is not change until there's change. And so he takes a, a physical condition and he compares it with, with spiritual. And so spiritual growth can compare with physical growth. And so we, we, we start experientially as a baby and we begin to grow. But in order to grow, we've got to be fed. We've got to be able to receive that word of God. And you see, those rocks are there to hinder the growth. And I compare those rocks to, you know, the society that we're in today. Instant gratification. If we don't see the immediate rock results of, of what we desire because it sprang up. And oftentimes we, we see that even within the church. We see something that happens, it seems, instantaneously, but it doesn't sustain. It doesn't remain because it doesn't get any root. That's what the rocks are. They're like, they're like instant gratification. You, you hear the word, you get excited about it, but it doesn't remain. What happens is we become unfruitful. You know, come to church, you hear the word, God's big. But on the way home, something happens. And you get mad. They cut you off up at the corner. They didn't even stop at the stop sign. Who do they think they are? I could have hit them. I should have hit them. Why didn't I hit them? They deserved it. All of a sudden, God becomes small because he can't handle the situation. That's how quickly it happens. You see, we look at our lives sometimes and it seems like we don't see that, that those leaps in our growth that many people see. But you know what? It isn't the leaps that's going to sustain you. It's the here, the little, there a little. And we continue to grow. We go from, as we talked last week, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And we continue to increase. Then 18 and 19, we're talking about the thorns. We hear the word of God, but then we begin to dwell upon our past. We begin to think, well, that can't apply to me. And it begins to steal the word. And what happens then is we become unfruitful. Because the point of living is to be fruitful. That's the point of living, is to be fruitful. And that bearing fruit can, can manifest in, in many different ways. You say, well, pastor, I'm not in the ministry. I'm just, I just work this job. Are you fruitful? You see, the point of life is fruitful. Why do you go to work to be fruitful? 
bring home a paycheck, to produce something. Why do you train up your children in the way that they should go? Because you want it to be fruitful. You want them to be full of fruit. You want them to produce in their life. Why do we do what we do? We do what we do to be fruitful. Why do we hear the Word of God? Why do we spend our Sunday mornings going to church? Well, you know, it's the obligation we need to. That's what you're supposed to do. No, we do it to be fruitful. Because without the hearing of the Word of God, we can't grow. And without growth, it's an absolute impossibility to be fruitful. And without being fruitful, we don't change in our life. Now, the thing about it is we talk about there being four types of soil. But in reality, that parable is talking about six types of soil. It's talking about the hard ground. It's talking about the rocky soil. It's talking about the, 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 the soil that's filled with weeds. It's talking about the soil that'll produce 30-fold, the soil that'll produce 60-fold, and the soil that'll produce 100-fold. And you know what? We sit there and we think, well, I've been a little bit fruitful. I'll settle. You know, it's an interesting thing about the farmers and the day that we live in. They don't want to settle for 30-fold. Why do they work their soil? Why do they invest? They invest. Invest in the soil. to produce a greater harvest. What's better, Mike, 120 bushel or 210? 250. 250. Well, I like that man. Hey, man, he wasn't going to settle. Don't settle. And we've done that in our lives. Well, I'm producing, you know. I'm, there, I'm getting a harvest. Praise the Lord. You know, it takes care of me, my four. We're okay. Don't settle. Okay, you've heard the word of God for the last 40 years. Don't settle. You know, I don't mean to pick on you, but you're there. It's your fault. But look back and see Harold and his wife sitting there every Sunday. That man hasn't only heard the word of his life, the man preached the word. But yet, he hasn't, at this point, he hasn't settled. He knows that faith still comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't change. Well, you know, I've heard it all my life. I don't need to hear it anymore. You just settled. And seeds are going to begin to grow. And it's not going to be the seeds that you want to grow. The Word. It's alive. Notice in verse 20. It tells you to hear. Then it tells you to accept. And then it says they bore fruit. They heard. They accepted. And they bore fruit. Let me tell you something about this Christian walk. It is not as complicated 
as we've tried to make it out to be. You hear, faith comes, you bear fruit. You hear, faith comes, you bear more fruit. You hear, faith comes, you bear even more fruit. That's what it is. But it's so hard to hear. Hear. Train yourself. Faith comes by hearing. How big, how big is the God in you? How big is the Word of God in your life? Because however big the Word of God is in your life determines how big God is in you. Because it's through the Word that we know how big God is. You know, Paul made this statement. He says, you know, but for the law, I would have never known that I needed a Savior. That's Schroeder's paraphrase. How do you hear that? Heard that through the Word, through the law. But you know what? It, does, it doesn't stop there. But for the Word of God, I wouldn't have known that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. But for the Word of God, I wouldn't have known that Jesus became poor that I might have become rich. But for the Word of God, I wouldn't have known that Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It's the Word of God that has revealed that to me. But for the Word of God, I wouldn't have known that Becky could submit to me as unto the Lord. And but for the Word of God, I wouldn't have known that I could love her as Christ loves the church. Because otherwise, we just try to do it in our own little deal. You see, it applies to every single area of our lives. We get the, we, we give God this little area, you know, uh, what was his name? Um, Ed Gunger. He had, had that teaching on marriage and he, <laughs> so good. I, I thought, I won't go there. You know, but uh, we, we talked about men, how we're, 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 we have boxes. You know, we're in, we're in that, we're in that box and you know, the problem is, people, we won't let God into our boxes. We have, we have this one little box that's God. But God isn't to be a box. God is to be in every one of our boxes. And that only happens as we allow him into every area of our life. And the way we do that is through the Word of God and how we understand how that can take place is through the Word of God. And we hear and we accept and we bear fruit. What a good God we serve. We stayed at this hotel the last couple of nights because we were up in Minnesota. I say Minnesota. And uh, first morning there was this little girl that was working in the breakfast area. She was a little uh, um, uh, 
mentally challenged girl, Down syndrome, uh, just a sweet little thing. We, we got talking to her and she asked if we had any children. Becky says, we have four. And she goes, ooh. And she says, we have 14 grandchildren. She goes, ooh. <laughs> I guess other than the Von Ozens and us, 14 grandchildren are kind of out of line. I don't know, but <coughs> fruitfulness. And because every time I think about those things, I think about the fact that it was the Word of God that changed our life those years back. And as a result of that, we see the fruitfulness today. And you know, if you're going to look back in your life, don't look back at your failings, don't look back at your shortcomings, look back at the times that God touched you, and as a result of that, there is increase in your life because he has so much for each and every one of us. How big is the word of God in your life? Because that determines how big God is in your life. One last passage and we'll close. In Galatians 6 chapter, forgive me for using so many passages from Galatians when I'm studying Galatians right now and so I'm just loving it. Anyway, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. What seeds are being sown in your life? Because that's what's going to be produced in our life. Do not be deceived. God is, you know what? <clears throat> and it isn't that God doesn't want to. Remember, he doesn't change. That's why we can trust him. But that's also why we've got to Remember the principles that he's given to us in his word where he says that whatever you receive through your ear gate, through your eye gate, your senses, whatever you receive is going to produce a harvest. Amen? And so he says, don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, that is what he is going to reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then this last part is very, very important. And let us not grow weary in well doing, while doing good. Don't grow weary in acting upon the Word of God. Don't grow weary because you don't see the immediate manifestation, instant gratification. Don't grow weary because you don't see the answer for wit, which you're believing immediately. Because he says, in due season. Heard somebody say one time, what's the due season? 
The answer was probably just a little bit further out than you think it should be. But in due season, you shall reap if you don't lose heart. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now the translation says, if we don't grow weary, if we don't tire out. You know what it means? If you don't quit. Don't quit. We're not quitters. We're believers. And he's provided us with everything that is needful for the abundant life. And so let me leave you with this question. How big is God? Let me rephrase that. How big is the God in you? I can tell you how big he is. He's big enough to deal with any circumstance, any situation that you're dealing with, no matter how impossible it may appear to be in the natural, God's big enough. Make him big. If you've got an area in your life where God doesn't seem to be very big, focus on that area. Build him up in that area. Invest in your soil. It'll pay off. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are a big God. Bigger than any circumstance. Bigger than any issue. Bigger than any thing that we've dealt with in the past or dealing with now or going to deal with in the future. You're a big God. And so we thank you and we give you praise and glory today. And Father, we are, a, we are a fruitful people. We bear abundant fruit. But we don't settle for just the 30. We want the 60. We want the 100. Because we want your kingdom to be furthered. And we want to be those vessels that you can use to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in this community, in the surrounding area, and even beyond that, into the world that we live in. And so, Father, we, we make the determination today that we're not going to allow you to be small any longer. We see you as a big God, bigger, than anything we deal with, knowing that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you don't change, that you do not make exceptions to the rule, and so we change our thinking to align with your word. And so we give you praise and glory. Have your way in each of our lives. 
We ask it, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. And give somebody a hug and let them know you love them.